our scripture reading today is in Luke 24, 13 through 49. This is the section about the walk or the road to Emmaus. We're going to read 13 through 34 together. So if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. Now this is occurring on the day when Jesus is revealing Himself Easter morning. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus Himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing Him. And He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? Of course He knew. Can't you just see the twinkle in the eye? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus. The man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped He was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. All of this happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of His followers were at His tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said His body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough the body was gone just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, Oh, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering His glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining all the Scriptures, from all the Scriptures, the things concerning Himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if He were going on, but they begged Him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So He went home with them. As they sat down to eat, He took the bread and blessed it. Then He broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized Him. And at that moment, He disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us or for us Methodists? Wasn't our hearts strangely warmed within us as He talked with us on the road and He explained the Scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He has appeared to Peter. 
This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, bless this time as we look into Your Word and long to hear Your voice. Lord, let our hearts and our minds receive from You the blessing of this day. In Your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. It never seems to fail that as, well, I'll put it this way, more often than I would care to admit, something happens that goes right in line with the sermon for that day. Today I was say, what can we say about the two walking to Emmaus that we haven't said and the idea of being on the trip and missing the signs that are plainly in front of you sort of stuck in my head. And then guess what? We had a little thing last night. Lori's not in here, so I can I can talk about her. Um, it turns out that six weeks ago, Lori had checked our our natural gas tank, propane tank. It said thirty gallons. Two weeks ago, I thought, well, I better check that. It said thirty gallons. Unfortunately, Lori and I did not compare notes. Last night we ran out of gas. What do you think the tank still said? 30 gallons. So that was a case where the sign was there, but it was misleading. But um, today before going very old school on you, okay? I want to look at some of the things, sort of to loosen the mood. Have you ever seen a road sign that made you just want to go, huh? How about that one? Moose crossing car in danger of being round. How about this one? The next. Oh, 92 kilometers. Camels, kangaroos, and what's that middle one? I can't tell. Let's say it's a wallaby. It just sounds good to say. Watch out if you're walking on the beach. Your toes are in danger from the little baby crabs. And... One we need in Georgia. Possum crossing. We need that on every road every couple of miles. This one took the cake for me. And by the way, I know some of you are listening on uh, over the podcast. Can't see this. Just go to Google and type weird road signs. You'll see more than you need to, but just make sure your safe filter is on. Okay. On this one, crocodile crossing right next to the sign that says Lake Surprise. Well, I guess so. I wonder if that's real. Someone did this. It wins the cuteness award. Hedgehog, thank you. Hedgehog crossing. For those of us here who are a little bit of the nerd, you cannot pass. I want to stick that on a a, a no passing sign. Put Gandalf right there. How about this one? This was probably in Atlanta when they were filming Walking Dead. Caution, zombies ahead. This one I want it. All over the state of Georgia, a giant mosquito carrying someone away. How about this one? This is for our different age brackets. Uh, Watch out for elderly people who are using their canes. And watch out for our younger people who are only looking at their phones. I like that one. 
Ever been stuck between lost and very lost? That's where you go if you've missed all of the other signs. And with our very sincere but very southern statement of God bless their heart, those two walking to Emmaus, and the other disciples had missed some of the signs. Now, Jesus was walking with them. They missed that, of course. God had prevented them from taking notice. But they had also missed all of the signs in Scripture. He even chided them. It's so hard for you to believe what the prophets have said in Scripture, isn't it? They were right there. And he had to take them on that journey. He took them on a journey starting with Moses. In other words, the entire Old Testament Scripture. And we think, wow, how did they miss it? But question, are we that much different? Let me pull out this one verse. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Are we any different today? I think the good news is is that they were not much different back then. We have a little bit of snobbery. We think, oh, they believe anything. No, they wouldn't. That's why Jesus had to keep appearing over and over and over and why He had to make a special encore just to come and convince Thomas. See, we are not the first generation to struggle with what has been written. Although we have come up with some new and ingenious reasons to try to sideline it. One of the things that happened this week, and I want to just go ahead and confront it right on that March for science. Really, it was more of a march of the inevitable progress that needs to leave all of these questions behind in the dust. And uh, I want to say this. Science has explained so much, but it's explained away a few things that don't need to be. Lori ran across an article or something she was reading that said, oh, when you hold hands... The scientists say that that releases oxytocin in the brain and your blood pressure goes down and and all of these things. And uh, I, being me, and being a little ornery, persnickety, curmudgeon, I don't know one of those synonyms. In other words, holding a person's hand comforts you. And of course, I was reminded of that last recorded word from the Challenger explosion when One person said to another, hold my hand. Science, trust me, I have been called a geek and a nerd and those are the polite terms. Science has provided us with a much better quality of life. The problem is, is there are some things that over-promised. It promised us a better quality of life and it has on the whole delivered. However, it has also delivered two world wars, multiple genocides, new ways to oppress. You know, back around the 
turn of not this past century, but the other one. There was this promise of the new great secular age as everything miraculous was explained away. And even some of our own theologians in the church decided they would insulate the gospel by saying, well, these aren't facts, but they still are true. And we need to shift into a completely society, this world focused gospel. And people started leaving the churches. I was doing some research this week on a book by Rodney Stark saying about how people are not less religious than they used to be. They're, a lot of them are less Christian. But the number of actual atheists has not really gone up. It's that more people are out of church and would define themselves as spiritual or just plain uh, pagan or I would say superstitious. Let me give you a couple of examples so you know I'm not just blowing smoke here. In March 2016, a temple dedicated to the Norse god Odin and the other Norse gods opened in Denmark. Nine roosters were sacrificed and consumed as part of the ritual. And if you could see their high priest there, he has a little blood on him. He needs to wash that off. How about this? There is, in Ireland, in an area called Carlingford, an area they petitioned to have leprechauns added as a preserved species in the mountains. And according to one of the village elders, he said he had a talk with their village elder. There are only 263 poor wee ones left in the mountains because we've all stopped believing in them. I don't know if that's Irish accent, but I tried. It is? Please do not make a comparison between my height and that of a leprechaun. You know it ran through your mind. I understand, sister. We're even both wearing green today, aren't we? Back on track. I don't know if you ever heard of G.K. Chesterton. Had some influence on C.S. Lewis, Malcolm Muggeridge. He's one of those uh, great Christians of the previous generation or two ago. He said, you know, when people stop believing in God, they don't believe in nothing. They'll believe anything. And we're finding out that is true. Because the trouble is, this is something they didn't lift up during the March for Science. Scientific progress has shown us how to do a great many things. It hasn't really shown us whether they are moral or immoral. But of course, as we have seen Scripture and religion and Christianity specifically, the effort to marginalize it. Thankfully, we haven't been affected by this, have we? I mean, we're Christians. We were raised in the church. We know these things. We have hidden God's Word in our hearts. Y'all ready? Fill in the blank. I want to hear vocalized responses. In other words, Methodists speak up in church, okay? Fill in the blank. For God so loved the world that... Excellent. From the New Testament, in the beginning was the... 
And the Word was, and the Word was God. Excellent. Hmm. Getting a little more difficult. And you will see the Son of Man coming in all of His glory. You could also say in the clouds. That would also work. How about a hard one? One of the ones we don't preach on often. If your eye offends you. Now that's why you really need to study Scripture. Don't just go, you know. How about this? We're at the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. The just shall live Amen. by faith. How about I throw this out for those who might need a little musical help to remember. For everything, there is a season. Well, turn, turn, turn is not in Scripture. That's why I left it out. <laughs> but it's on the song. That's how I remember it. For everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Yes. Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, four words, Let my people go. How about this one? Leaving out the parts we don't often read, just putting the saying many of us have in our homes. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Excellent. We're doing pretty good here. How about this? Can you, and you don't have to say these, but in your own mind, can you list in order the first five books of the Bible? I think I heard it. Who are the four gospel writers? Oh, that's an easy one for Methodists. We like to live in those gospels. Um, who wrote the majority of the letters in the New Testament? Paul the Apostle. What makes James and Jude special among all of the New Testament writers? Jesus' brothers, yes. In whose story would you find a coat of many colors? Joseph. Who was safe in the lion's den? Who was safe in the fiery furnace? Did they know each other? Yeah. Yeah, they were right there. That was the, the, they were the four amigos. This is first order VBS stuff, right? First order VBS stuff. You'd be surprised. <laughs> Maybe you wouldn't. Just go to the internet again, put your safe browsing filter on, okay? and type in questions of elementary school students in the 18 or 1900s. Look at some of the things that they had taken, even at that age, and hidden in their hearts. See, the thing is, this is first order VBS stuff, but any teacher worth his or her salt will tell you that for any higher order thinking to take place, you have to have content to base it off of. So, let me ask. I mean, many of us knew a lot of these answers. How much time have we spent this week in God's Word? Or not even this week. 
How much time have we spent in our life taking this gift, this story, this set of stories about how God deals with us and we with Him? How much time have we spent with it? Is it internalized us? Let's ask it another way. If you were taken today and dropped into the middle of North Korea, okay? This land where there is horrible oppression, where there is a cult of personality, where the people are four inches shorter than their next door neighbors of the same uh, stock, that is because of their poor nutrition, where you cannot speak the name Jesus safely. Let's say you were dropped in the midst of North Korea without the Scripture. You and your family. Would you be able to tell them the stories of Jesus? Would you be able to tell them the stories that Jesus was told by Mary and Joseph, the Old Testament? Would you be able to relate to your kids or your grandkids? And you know there's another implicit question in there. Would, would we have the courage to do so at risk of being found out? I told you I was going old school. See, here's the thing. I saw someone... On Twitter. You know, people like to be clever in 140 characters. Some of them succeed, some of them don't. I won't say who doesn't, who doesn't. Yeah. Someone I said, you know, we're in trouble when all of our theology comes from Star Wars and Harry Potter. Now, you know me, I love Star Wars, I like Harry Potter. And while I appreciate the Anglican influence that I find in Harry Potter and the somewhat Methodist influences I can find in George Lucas's Star Wars, that's not where I get my theology from. That's not where I get my understanding of who God is. This is where I get it. And not just this in isolation. This with other brothers and sisters who are also steeped in His Word and have it hidden in their hearts. And you know what? Jesus invites us to walk with Him and talk with Him as the hymn says in a concrete way. Not just with feeling, but with some content that we have been provided that He can engage with us through the Holy Spirit within. And this way of engaging with Christ challenges us our presuppositions. It changes our, our focus, our thoughts, our desires. It can be uncomfortable, but praise God, it can also be very comforting. And you know, every story was given for a reason. And yes, these are stories, and yes, they are really factual occurrences as well. But remember what John said at the end of his book. Jesus did more things than could be recorded, but these were given so that you would believe in Him and in believing have eternal life. So why was this story given? What's the point of it? It doesn't even take a preacher. Just read it. The point. First of all, Jesus 
is with us. Even whenever the times are tough and our hearts are troubled. Amen. How about this one? Amen. See? You know, I'm getting him to say amen more than the whole rest of the church put together. Keep it up, young man. How about this one? Jesus will teach us through our engagement with Him in God's Word. And that learning experience will challenge us, but also comfort us. You notice they were saying, oh, please stay with us just a little while longer. Why? He had taken them through the Scriptures and had brought comfort to their hearts. Next, we will experience His presence. Remember that last scene. He came in, set, broke the bread, and their eyes were open. We will experience His presence as we fellowship with one another, especially in the breaking of bread, which might just be a nod to communion. What do you think? But also, I believe, times like tonight, where we're going to be at our birthday tables. I love that ingenious way of breaking up our little group so that people can sit together who wouldn't normally be sitting. Okay. Last part. Did you notice how they had just walked seven miles? Then their hearts were filled to overflowing. They turned right around and walked back. Last little part of that story. When you spend time with Jesus, it gives you strength for your journey. You know, let me in with just a few more signs here. Hope I can read them from this distance. Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Jesus said, Come to Me, all of you, who are weary and burdened or heavy laden, as you might have heard. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and lean, learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29. He gives strength to the weary. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint, Isaiah 40, 29 and 30. In all these things, in all of the tribulations we may have, we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If my people 
who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And finally, all who are victorious will be Amen. Clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and His angels that they are mine. Thus, all of these things saith the Lord. Isn't that the kind of message that we need? Aren't you glad that is the kind of God that we serve? God is indeed good. And all the time. Let us pray. Father, Lord, let us have this desire in the midst of a world that has many competing obligations and duties and many competing distractions and entertainments. Lord, help us remember that it is when we focus on You that You bring strength to us, that You bring transformation in our midst. And Lord, give us that desire to fellowship with others who are called by Your name, so that where one or two are gathered in Your name, You will indeed be with us. In Christ's name, Amen.